This episode of Brought Back Home originally aired on Thursday, August 6th, 2020 at 6 p.m. on the CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario. If you'd like to learn more about the CFRC, visit cfrc.ca. And now, here's the extended edit for episode 5 of Brought Back Home. You're listening to Brought Back Home, bringing local music and the arts back to you. I'm your host, Matt Muto, local musician and music producer. We're coming to you from, as usual, the CFRC 101.9 FM, located in beautiful Kingston, Ontario. On this week's episode, we have several guests joining us. Our first guest is Sarah Emtage. Sarah is a local poet and the writer of an upcoming radio theater production, Soundcastle, debuting here on the CFRC's very own Shortwave Theater Festival coming up in the fall. Maddie Scoville also joins us on the program today. She is also involved with the Shortwave Theater Fest on the CFRC and is the director for the production A Strong Girl. I discuss with Sarah and Maddie the impact the pandemic has had on the performance arts and how radio theater isn't just a result of the pandemic, but how it is resurging since its popularity began to dwindle since the advent of the television. Even prior to the pandemic, the public at large has been reintroducing it into their lives for entertainment. Here are some of those discussions with Sarah and then Maddie following shortly after. Being someone so new to theater, Mm-hmm. And I know this is a non-traditional format that Soundcastle mm-hmm. is going to be presented in, yeah. but we've had a whole bunch of adaptations that various people in the arts industry, theater included, that have mm-hmm. had to have been made. And in this case, it wasn't really an adaptation because mm-hmm. of the pandemic. The Shortwave Theater Festival was planned back at the end of 2019. Yeah. And It was just kind of, we're seeing more and more theater production companies and groups making stuff to be consumed over radio or the internet. Like you said, this is your first project with theater, but I want to get your opinion of whether this is something that's going to, because it's seen such a boom, Mm. are we going to see it stick around in this kind of fashion, even if we can do in-person productions again in like a year or two? Or do you think this is kind of like, the the level that we're seeing it at now is a passing thing. Yeah, that's hard to say. I feel like audio productions were already kind of coming in or, or at least poised to be a new kind of have a new kind of popularity. Because um, we've seen like more of a rise of audio books and podcasts, all those kinds of things that you can listen to. Um, but just because it's no longer radio it's more like what you can listen to through your smartphone um it's kind of shifted whereas we saw a decline in like maybe radio um usage or listening to uh but i, th- I think people still want to listen to things and that's just kind of shifting and maybe even growing as people are, are starting to get this idea again of, of wanting to yeah there's something different about listening to stories um and that you it can become a part of your life like while you're driving while you're doing the dishes while you're doing other things it can still kind of like sit there and occupy your mind and that other that other half of your brain that doesn't have that's <laughs> that's kind of like a perfect fit yeah so I feel like we could see it increase at yeah as as um productions that would have been in person might shift towards this or as uh just as things people were already like Refamiliarizing themselves with the idea of listening. While you were saying that, I was mm-hmm. thinking to myself, 
kind of feels like you know this isn't always the case i'm sure there's radio dramas that are kind of uh, reenactments of real things Mm -hmm. but it kind of feels like podcasts and radio shows where it's just like a talk show are kind Mm. of the non-fiction section of the audio library and then you know stuff like soundcastle and other productions like philip and lucinda and Mm -hmm. other shows that are going to be on the short wave theater festival they kind of fall Mm -hmm. into the the fiction category of the audio library so yeah it's really yeah, that's interesting in that aspect. And we I've talked with other people that are involved in the Shortwave Theater Festival. They're older and even before we saw s- services like Audible or Amazon mm-hmm. or iTunes or Apple Music, I guess now, mm-hmm. all those services offering audiobooks and podcasts. Before there was television, radio broadcasted mm-hmm. even when television was a thing, radio was still pretty big um, yeah. for the first few years of television. So there was still, you know, we still hear sports broadcasts on the radio occasionally we'll hear like a radio drama still even before this all happened and because of this whole pandemic we're seeing it shoot back up and yeah. it's it's just it's an interesting observation that kind of history has repeated itself and now we're able to consume these things in similar format but different means yeah yeah it's kind of beautiful really even though like audio drama took like a dive maybe in general popularity or you know people listening to it uh for me i i didn't kind of i kind of missed that uh because we always listened to uh there's a radio station that had a bunch of kids programming that my sisters and i listened to a lot uh, when i was a kid and they had like adventures and odyssey and some of them were very were kind of old-timey even like um ranger bill warrior of the wetlands but but there's a wide variety of these of these audio programs that we listen to every day at four and every saturday morning um and there'd be yeah, all these all these stories and really yeah really well well done um productions and and we could just yeah we would sometimes do our chores or whatever clean the house while we listened. I think I think that's kind of stuck with me. That sort of I hadn't tried really to make any until Soundcastle. It just I think that's yeah it has stuck as an influence. So you mentioned that you grew up listening to a lot of audio drama and mm-hmm. productions. Have you heard or even if it's not necessarily audio is if it's mm-hmm. from home or anything have you have you observed productions like theater productions recently since the pandemic kind of hit huh i have seen seen some digitally streamed a lot of them were doing that as fundraisers i think um like on youtube and stuff some great theater productions has it was it over you know video conferencing Let's see, because I did some from like from the Logos Theater. I, I think I watched one of their shows and uh and then there were some on YouTube, like the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, some more radio theater stuff. I kinda kinda got back into actually uh listening to some of the things I listened to as a kid. And it actually helps me clean the house. Like I feel so unmotivated <laughs> until I put on like Adventures in Odyssey and then I'm like, okay, I'm in the right headspace to do that. That's the same way when I'm folding laundry, and I'm sure a lot yeah. of people listening too. Well, thanks for taking some time out of your day today, Sarah, to talk with me about Soundcastle and just the state of the world with the arts. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Matt. Welcome back to 101.9 FM, the CFRC here in Kingston, Ontario. I'm Matt, and I'm here with local actor, director, and many other roles played in theater, Maddie Scoville. Hello. <laughs> Before I start bombarding you with ideas and questions, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about 
your background in theater in Kingston and outside of Kingston as well? Well, uh, before Kingston, it was all high school community theater stuff. And then I came for school at Queen's University um, and did my drama degree there. Um, and while I was there, I was part of a children's theater troupe called the Barefoot Players. So I did that for three years doing um, adaptations of Shakespeare for kids and stuff around parks and libraries and schools in the area. Um, and then I was also very much involved with Blue Canoe Productions um, all throughout university. I did a lot of shows there, um, like Nine and Pippin and um, the producers. And then after school, I was artistic director for a year and I helped launch their um, children's theater program, um, Launch Point Academy, for those who are too young to get involved with uh, Blue Canoe just yet. And um, then after that, I spent a summer at Stratford doing some um, assistant directing in their Shakespeare school. And um, more recently, I've been doing more community-based things. Um, so uh, some friends and I, we did some local found space theater things. And then... Um, goodness. Uh, <laughs> most recently, I've been working at the library doing story times all around. Um, so that's been fun. Lots of puppets. And um, in September, I will be going to the National Theatre School in Montreal. That's that's quite the, the background, especially for someone so young. You've, uh, you've clearly <laughs> been working hard. Um, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Otherwise, what's the point of, you know, working so hard? In the past, we've seen art mediums, various ones, whether it's theater and film, adapt and change. We've seen, you know, even with the, in the invention of the television, entertainment changed. When internet became accessible to everyone in the world, entertainment changed again, and it's still changing because of it. When people ask if things that have become more popular because of, like, audiobooks, audiobooks were already fairly popular before this. Uh, podcasts were already fairly popular, but I think it has encouraged more people to seek them out because they're just, you know, mm -hmm. craving for the same kind of thing that they would have if they were going, whether it's to a movie theater. And even then that industry was kind of slowing down and changing to at home type of stuff. Or if it's live concerts, now we're seeing places like the Isabel doing live shows every couple of weeks. We're seeing shortwave theater festival even though it's not a product of the pandemic it's definitely I, i'm kind of hesitant to say fortunate because of it because there's a lot of people who are definitely misfortunate because of their how they are personally affected by this health and socially and mentally otherwise but mm -hmm. i don't think there's anything wrong with taking the silver lining from a seemingly terrible situation and finding positives in it and i think Absolutely. This production is something that is doing that. Well, I'd also be really interested to see if this affects how we do theater in the future, maybe integrating more of this sort of um, this focus on the auditory. Um, and uh, it, it's also interesting to see that, that with this time that we have to spend on it, um, they're also integrating things like uh, ASL translations which I think is fantastic and can be tricky with live theater. So it's it's great to have this 
recorded version so that they can work that in. And um, we were already seeing sort of multimedia um, theater productions happening. And, and so I'm hoping that this, well, I'll be curious to see if this pandemic leads to more productions like that, where they're, they're integrating things like radio within a live performance or virtual reality is something I've been hearing more about coming into theater. And so I think, I think it's going to be a really exciting time. I mean, when artists are forced to get even more creative, I think a lot of good can come from that. I absolutely agreed. I think you brought up some really interesting topics there with ASL and virtual reality because we are aware that there are people with impaired senses. So with if someone if they're visually impaired, they're going to have the exact same experience consuming this festival as someone who had perfect vision. And mm-hmm. with the ASL productions, it's giving the opportunity for people who have auditory impairment to kind of experience them in a similar way, maybe not the exact same way, because you can't get the the sound effects and how everything sounds. I don't really know how else to say it, Um, but you can get the dialogue across Mm -hmm. and and emotion from the characters. Yeah, well, it's something I've been uh, increasingly interested in, starting with my job at the library, just integrating um, baby sign language into my story times and and trying to to create that connection there. It's such an emotional language, like meanings change based on the face you're making while doing certain signs and things like that. So the potential for, for storytelling there is um, it's quite large. And it's nice that we're finally sort of acknowledging that and not only making it more accessible but um i think just that much more interesting and that much better at connecting people yeah more that's the goal with art right is you not only do you want to see something that is experience something that is artistically moving regardless of what media it is but it's also this whole social aspect is so important too talking about you know when you come out of the movie theater or or a play or a musical First thing you do is you talk about what you thought with the people that you went to go see it with. And if you go see it by yourself, you still might ask other people if they've seen it or you go on message forums online. And communication is such a big part of art, not only in the sense of communicating the art itself to people, but also the viewers for a play. They would all kind of have... They might have different experience, even though they both sat in on the exact same thing based on who they are. And then having those two people talk about it is so important. And we're getting a lot less of that now because of uh, the fact that we can't go see live shows. But I think it's really important to do projects like A Strong Girl in the Shortwave Festival or, you know, all the other productions in the festival. And like you had already said, audiobooks and narration and all of that. I think it, it's just another way to do something and it, I don't see why it can't exist after we get to a point where everyone is a little bit more relaxed. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is just encouraging this understanding in a time when it's really easy for people to start getting divided um, and, and we're living in our own little bubbles more and more. Even with social media, we, we sort of have our our own bubbles within that we we follow people that encourage our own beliefs and everything and um 
so so I've always found theater especially does a great job of taking us outside of that because even if we we go see a show that we think will solidify ideas that we already have I find more often than not I still learn something from it or or get a new idea and and especially if you can have those discussions afterwards you can sort of see as you were saying how other people interpreted that and then suddenly you have a way to discuss this new idea that wouldn't have come up otherwise so oh. yeah <laughs> i've missed oh. that <laughs> yeah i'm sure anyone in the arts i know i have have missed in person interaction and live performance with so many different forms of art is so important and i think we'll get back there eventually but we kind of have to yeah. take on new skill sets and adapt as artists always have. Of course. Well, thanks for chatting with me today, Maddie. And hopefully we'll hear from you soon. Yeah, thanks for your time. <laughs> I really appreciate well, it. Thank you for having me. And you'll be hearing more about the Shortwave Theater Fest in the upcoming weeks as the festival approaches. So stay tuned here on the CFRC for more info. For our final guest today, we have the talented local band Hinterwood joining us in the studio. They're going to start us off with an acoustic version of their song we previewed on last week's episode titled Flamingo. So you brought me to this place.
Welcome back to 101.9 FM, the CFRC here in Kingston, Ontario. My name is Matt, and I'm here today with local band Hinterwood. Hey, I'm Jonah. I'm the drummer. Hey, what's up? I'm Max. I'm the guitar player. I'm jo- I'm Josiah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Kimaya. I'm the lead singer. Uh, and I'm Josiah, and I play the bass. So the first song was Flamingo, your new single. Uh, just came out last week, I believe. That's right, on Sunday. And uh, we previewed it on the end of last show when Max was in here with Owen in the band Willy Nilly. Oh, yeah. Max, the many band man. Yep. I'm, uh, I'm playing in a lot of bands and recording a whole bunch of others, so I'm getting around. I'm going to use that clip, getting around, and take it out of context. <laughs> but so, yeah, that's something we talked about is like how many musicians in Kingston have played in several projects. And even if you're not playing in several projects, doesn't mean anything. It's just saying that like there's a lot of people here who are willing to work with other people, and it's fantastic. doesn't feel too competitive. No, yeah. Not at all. I know, like, for me as a bass player, I've played in like, up until recently, I think I, I'm, I've played in punk bands, I've played in country bands. I've played in jazz groups. Like I've been in like so many things and I think all of us can say the same. We've been in all like different environments beforehand in Kingston. I think that that's a lot of fun. It makes it really cool. Yeah. I think it's really good to have a multitude of musical experiences and you'll, you'll learn and draw things from every experience that you can bring influences to whatever project you're currently working on. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Yeah. It's definitely just going to help you grow as a musician. Mm-hmm. Even if, if you're playing country music, like you said, Josiah, like yeah. <laughs> you can probably adapt some skills you pick up to jazz or folk or whatever. Mm-hmm. We said this last week too, the lines between genres are very fine these days. Yeah. It's They're interesting. I feel like a lot of bands, like, you know, they can call themselves like indie rock or indie pop and <laughs> they're both sort of true or like, you know, alternative or you know, country and folk. And mm-hmm. I think like a lot of people in Kingston, especially like there's so many different influences around that your songs just kind of naturally sort of mesh between a, like multitude of different genres. Yeah. Something that uh, I've noticed the last like six, seven years is that electronic music is becoming much more accessible uh, from a performance and even songwriting perspective. Like everyone who has a computer can basically do it. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing a lot of like R&B even kind of stuff being blended into uh live instruments like guitar bass and drums yeah which you know r&b in the past definitely used them but modern r&b has kind of moved before other genres to electronic instruments and i think someone said to me i can't remember who it was it was a hip-hop artist i think maybe in the gta but uh he said that tame impala's currents was like the first rock uh, i'm using air quotes right now rock album that was definitely heavily inspired by hip-hop yeah and r&b yeah no i can hear it like i I know like even for me personally i go to shows and a lot of times someone like at least one person of the band has some kind of like computer or you know some kind of technology hardware on stage to give you sort of a sound that you just couldn't achieve with any other instruments Mm -hmm. and they're just kind of blending that even a lot of people are using like loops and stuff too you know they'll they'll have like a guitar and keyboard and stuff on stage but then they'll also be looping like synths and and uh whatnot just to sort of bring like a full band sound just from like you know in the box sort of situation with all that being said though i I feel you guys are kind of more focused on the the live performance side of things that's that's something that i've thought ever since i started playing music was that like i i I have nothing like against using tracks or like synths or anything on stage but whenever i go to see a show i personally enjoy hearing what i'm seeing on stage and so i want to 
you know, sort of practice what I preach and like, you know, if we are confident with their sound, then we should be able to recreate it on stage with just us and not have to rely on, you know, pre-recorded stuff. I mean, so that's just my personal preference, but like got nothing against it. So I know for me, I uh, like, yeah, I like, I like seeing what I hear and I know that I, I like, I love, I love knowing that all the sound that's on that stage is being created in that moment. And again, I have, I have nothing against anyone using things to help make their sound better. I think that's that's really good. And if that's what your band requires, then absolutely go for it. I like knowing that the sound I'm putting out there was made in that moment. And you can't, if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. I actually, I like going to concerts and watching people make mistakes. I think I think it's really cool because you're like, oh, wow, like, they're human. They're, they're relatable. They're human. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Especially like, as a musician, I bet, too. Yeah, it's relieving <laughs> to watch, like, oh, like, my idol just screwed up. Well, I'm think, allowed think, to make mistakes, too. Like, yeah. Like forcing yourself to not have to rely on, like, pre-recorded or, or any kind of, like, technology that would help you achieve that. It forces you to think of music in sort of a different way that uh, I guess, like, you wouldn't if you were using that kind of stuff because, like, I mean, even when I'm writing songs, like I'll usually be in front of my laptop, like layering tracks. You're like, how can I make this sound cool? But then it's, you you know, you, you pitch it in band practice and it's like, okay, well, and how do we make this sound cool with just us now? Mm-hmm. And it, it forces you to sort of like be a different kind of musician. I think you guys are right. Seeing people perform their instruments and their craft and, and their music live is really, really special. And there's nothing like that. You know, it's such a shame that kind of the pandemic has kind of slowed that mm, yeah. down a bit. But it's also you get something totally different too when you're just in the studio experimenting with different ways you can make noise. Yeah, one of the things that I love to hear um, when people are playing with those kind of things in the studio is when they bring a soundscape into it and you hear like birds or waves or something like that. And I think that's a, a really neat way to bring visuals into sound even if you're only giving sound to people. Mm-hmm. Like you have imagery of lyrics, but I think that's a whole other way. Um, it'd be fun to explore that kind of stuff and like other electronic modification sounds. I have to say one thing that I appreciate is of the way we're working with things at the moment is how easy it is to bring stuff into an acoustic setting like we are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it helps when you got to record in a pinch, right? Like yeah. Yeah. speaking from experience right now. Well, I think like the, the two main schools of thought that I like, like I have a soft spot for both, like as like Kamaya was just saying, having like just having a record that just sounds really good because you have like a, a lot of cool stuff like like soundscape you know like ethereal synths and, and mm. different sounds and stuff yeah but one thing that i personally do and maybe this is even more of like a songwriting thing um and i i heard it first used by the arkells uh, and they call it the campfire test and that's like it's, it's something that i run all my songs through and i just kind of like um, vet it you know, by you know just playing the song with like an acoustic guitar and i'm like if this wouldn't sound good around a campfire then it needs something else so, and like so that's something that I try to stick true to so that when we, when we bring it to the band and we're adding you know like the drums and bass and all that it's it's um it's polishing it up um but it's already a good song you know you're not using anything as like a crutch to to make it a good song um and I yeah that's something that's helped me a lot because it's made me be a better songwriter yeah I, the word that comes to mind talking with other musicians is that it's organic it sounds yeah. organic, like it sounds like it's something that can be made in nature in, in the sense that like it's not made in the box, in the computer. Yeah, We've said several times in the last like, eight minutes, um, there's benefits to both. There's always going to be benefits to both and you're going to get different emotions from both. And it's just really cool that 
can even have this conversation about the differences yeah. between something that's not that different. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's all music and it's all yeah. very awesome. Yeah. I will say one of my favorite things is hearing a recording from a studio um, where they have a lot of added effects, a lot, a lot of cool stuff they've added in, you know, like tons of drum machines, like nature sound effects. And then you go and see them live and they do the song, but they do it completely different than oh, the yeah. studio recording. And I, 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 it always blows my mind because it's like, oh, wow, they've like thought of it. They've reimagined the song. It just it gives it a whole new meaning and interpretation for the listener. Yeah. So I, I love that. That reminds me of the band Young the Giant. Mm-hmm. I discovered them, or in my experience, I found them on YouTube for their In the Open series, where it's all acoustic, and in one of them they're on the beach, and one of them they're on a mountain, so they've all toted all their gear up onto the top of a mountain. You hear the wind, even though they have dead cats on the mics, not actual dead cats. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and no. it's you have all the layers of sound and you have that organic feel. And later I listened to their studio stuff and I was like, wow, that sounds amazing, but completely different at the same time. So it'll, it'll be interesting for listeners. We have um, some videos of our acoustic stuff out and we're going to have an EP out pretty soon and well in september around then yeah a couple weeks something like that and that'll be a whole different feel a studio version but still awesome same good songs yeah well actually the first content we put out was promotional material for our last single whiplash um and it was uh like we just did a couple acoustic videos at the college and i guess like uh, looking back on it, it, it must have been interesting for like first time listeners to kind of see like the only content we have out be just like acoustic and then they go check out the song on Spotify and it's like a fully produced record. So and like now we're trying to do sort of both because I think like our acoustic sound and our electric sound is unique enough in, in each way that we can kind of mm-hmm. the songs are different and it's cool for someone that wants to hear a, a modified version of the song. Yeah, and I think it it broadens the accessibility. You know, oh, if, yeah. if you're in a certain mood, you might want to listen to the acoustic version or, or the electric version, and depending on each listener's taste, they might have a preference. I think when when you said that, it made me think of uh, Do you remember of Monsters of Men? Yeah. Their their song Little Talks, which like went everyone was listening to it like 2013. They released a few years later like this like live EP. It was mainly acoustic and they did an acoustic version of that song and it's in the, the lyrics to little talks are very are very heartbreaking and very sad when you sit down and listen to them and that acoustic version was really slow and really mellow and i think the first time i heard it i think i cried because yeah. i was like wow like this mm-hmm. is it's so different than what i was expecting there's like no trumpet no like exciting it's very very emotional i'd say yeah and so it gave, it gave a, a, a completely new meaning to the song for me and it was like, now I, have, now I have two versions of one of my favorite songs. It was really cool. Yeah. It's really cool when a song has a high-tempo, happy sound, and then it has sad lyrics, too. And yeah. it's only if you're paying attention that you really get the depth of it. And I think that acoustic version that you're talking about, it really captures that by giving those two versions. Yeah. Out. yeah. I remember when YouTubers were kind of releasing covers of songs in different genres, and they would take the stems, thanks to, like, video games like Rock Band and Guitar Hero. So they, would, they were able to grab the stems of the vocals and totally rearrange the song with all the instruments. And the one that I always, that I actually think is better than the original is this guy, Andy Redfelt, or Refelt, I don't, I can't remember his last name, did a jazz version of Enter Sandman. 
and he has footage from one of their live shows so it makes it way funnier and it's oh. it's actually so good the the arrangement and the recording of it it's, it's just mind-blowing how good it is i want to hear that now yeah, i'll show that yeah. to you guys after the show and uh, if you're listening and definitely check it out it's uh, it's really really cool and kind of shows how like you guys were saying with uh, little talks that one song can be done so many different ways and can just sound so good no matter what enter sandman the original is still a banger mm-hmm. as cheesy as it is it's still a banger oh yeah. yeah we were talking about soundscapes earlier a question that came to my mind when we were talking about birds and stuff is i was thinking i don't know what kind of sound a flamingo makes flamingo i, was, I thought that maybe if that would have come up when you guys uh named the song and were recording it uh well like i think the most we actually read into like the actual sort of like flamingo as an entity was what we're gonna call the flamingo that we put on the album art and i don't think even then we yeah. came up with like its concrete yes. answer um but no i guess like that's something that we should have looked into yeah well, i i remember listening to a podcast called every little thing and they had an episode about flamingos and i sent that to you I, josiah I, I listened to half it and then i fell asleep because it, <laughs> it was at 3 a.m <laughs> did you fall asleep in water and then the ice froze over and you had to just you know sleep and wait until morning until you could move again no i didn't because that's what flamingos do wow yeah, no <laughs> I did not know that. Not the transition I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we come up with the name Flamingo for the song just because we were just we were like looking for a? I I suggested it as a joke initially. Yeah. Like we were, we were in band practice, and I was like, I don't know, let's just call it Flamingo or something. And then like Kamaya's like, oh okay, and then like wrote a whole song around that idea. Absolutely, that's one of my favorite ways to write songs. Like with removal and with a whole bunch of other songs. Often we'll have that lick, we'll have the instrumental demo, and then we'll Max will title it something or other, yeah. and then I'll just make my lyrics around that um, when when I'm writing the lyrics, and it, it it always works out. Somehow the metaphors generally tend to work pretty well yeah i mean like so one thing that i started doing back in like 2016 was when whenever i like uh wrote a demo and recorded it just so that i could you know throw it around um to the guys and see if it's gonna be something that we play in the band uh, i just started titling them um like food related items just to like keep track of them so i'd have like one like and have actually another one that we just did um that we just wrote was called marmalade and I just called it Marmalade for no good reason, just to keep track of it. Um, and then Kamaya, again, wrote, like, another set of lyrics just around the idea of Marmalade. Yeah, and I bring citrus into, like, every verse. It works out perfectly. I love how vague the explanation is because, <laughs> like, it just makes me look forward to it a little bit more. It's it's a smashing song. Oh, it's, it's a fun one. It's a real fun one. <laughs> yeah. Speaking um, of smashing songs, you guys want to jump into song number two? Sure. Absolutely. We're Hinterwood, and the next song we're playing for you is called Remedy. It's about taking care of yourself when making a choice about a relationship. You just don't go quite my speed, and baby, that's not what I need. A cruel game of catch-up's what this is, and I don't want to be your remedy.
was Remedy by local band Hinterwood. These guys have been working really hard right before the pandemic. They released a song, Whiplash, and I was kind of sad to see a, a band so so fresh with a new release go out like that to the pandemic, but they're back, they're here, and they're still kicking, clearly. I think the thing that uh, was really keeping us going throughout the pandemic was the fact that we had so much like work to do. I mean, before it even hit, like 
whiplash was like step one of like a hundred of you know things that we had planned um and so like when the pandemic hit it just kind of made it harder but not impossible so like we're working um it's just taking a lot longer now (laughs) we've talked time and time again on the show about how people have adapted and how lots of people are still writing music and it's great to see people being inspired even in this time to write new material uh you guys have a new EP coming out. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you guys have done for that? What it's like to work on an EP right now? Uh, well, the EP, like the songs on it specifically, um, are songs that have been in the works for years. I mean, even before the band has started, like um, a lot of them are songs that I've sort of um, written, you know, through high school and whatnot, and they've just kind of carried on. And like, I had a feeling that they were good songs so i wanted to keep them and like when we started you know playing regularly as a band i was like okay we got to do something with this um and uh, for some of them like even like kamaya's written the lyrics for because i just didn't have proper lyrics and yeah so like we started recording it at uh jonah's dad's place matt bates he he owns uh long shot records um and that's where the bulk of it started um because you know it's a it's a great recording studio there and then uh, because Kamaya and I go to St. Lawrence, or I, I just finished, but Kamaya's still there. Um, we have the recording studio there, and we kind of were able to work on the project in both places so that we could get it done quicker. And now that the pandemic has hit, uh, what we've resorted to is I'm basically just doing like the mixing and whatnot on my end, just at home. Uh, we we got super lucky that actually since Josiah came back to Canada about two weeks before everything like really went on lockdown. Uh, we were able to get all the tracks recorded. So the EP exists in a sort of less structured state right now. And now it's just, I'm kind of putting in the work to bring it up to the level that's ready for release. And we're getting the songs ready um, as a band just to play live whenever that chance comes. We want to get live streaming. Um, there's some hurdles in our way right now. But when that happens, like the songs are ready to go. We're confident with them. Actually, the last song that we're going to play today is one of the ones off the EP. So the process, like... The recording of it we got lucky enough to do before COVID. Uh, it would be a lot more difficult to do now. Although, <laughs> for some odd reasons, Josiah's bedroom is um, really, like, it sounds really good. It's treated well for sound, and it's soundproof. We have no idea why, um, but it just is. The walls are like wooden planks. It's the weirdest, most bizarre thing I've ever seen, but it's cool. Um, and so if we had to record now during the pandemic, that's where we would do it. Um, mm-hmm. The problem is that they don't have central air, so it is hot <laughs> up there. Yeah, it insulates sound really well, yeah. but also the heat. We each have to bring our own fans to practice, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, going back to what you said, I think my favorite memory is I, I got, I landed back from China and I, and I didn't have access to Facebook or anything, so I had no contact with you. And I think you're one of the first people I texted and I sent you a message saying, hey, like, if like the band's still around, like I'd love to come in and play with you guys, do a show. And you sent back, how soon can you come to St. Lawrence? Yeah, I need you to record. Yeah. And then So the, the funny thing was that like Josiah played with us. Um, so he did like what was supposed to be a, a basically a full year uh, abroad in China. Um, and he, just before he left, he was our bass player. He was playing with us, but only for like about a month or so before he left. And so for all that time, we were playing uh, with Riley, who as you may know from last week, he's the bass player in willy nilly. Um, and so he was kind of like the interim bass player for a while. And, um, we didn't know that Josiah was coming back to, to Canada and it was like very hasty because of the, the coronavirus. And yeah, so he's, I wake up to a message from him saying that he's back and he's willing to play again. And then that was that day that we were shooting the whiplash 
uh, video at the school. I didn't know it was that day. No, it was the same day. Oh my goodness. And I was like, come to the college today. I'll like pick you up. I'll teach you the song right before we film and we'll just do it. And that he was had 10 minutes and he got it down. Yeah. In like 10 minutes. And then on that same day after those video shoots, um, I taught Josiah the other songs on the EP and we just laid them down right then and there. So that was a, that was a, a fun little treat to get to do that. It was a nice thing to come back to definitely after getting kicked out slash removed. <laughs> yeah. I guess it, and it's comforting too, that you can still do something productive when you're plans have changed i know that was the case for a lot of not only musicians but just people in general yeah it was really interesting like over lockdown quarantine um before we started practicing in person again um we would have discord meetings oh yeah and um then we were like writing songs on our own like we'd send yeah. files and i I would get demos and I would write lyrics and we would each practice on our own. And that's when we started filming um, the video for Flamingo. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that changed in the pandemic was just that things were slower because we had to like send stuff to each other back and forth. Whereas mm-hmm. we could just do that in person in real time. We would record our own stems for Flamingo. Like that's yeah. what we did. We each recorded in our own space and sent it over Google Drive and yeah. Max got it all together and made magic. Well, th- th- I mean, that's the funny thing about Flamingo is that it was never meant to be, you know, like a polished Spotify ready song. We were like, okay, you know, it's it's COVID and we want to get some content out. You know, people haven't heard from us in a while because we haven't had anything to do. Um, but let's like do like a, a Discord style video where we're each in our own frame playing our instruments. And so like everyone is pretty capable in, in terms of recording. So I was like, just record your stuff well and send it to me and I'll put it all together. And then Kamaya was going to work on the video. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I was working on it, I realized that it was like, it was pretty good and it could definitely go the distance if we put it in just a little more work. So it started off as sort of a COVID project and we're like, okay, no, this is going to be like a single. Like this, you know, this is really turning out. And um, like we had the video ready before the song was even ready because like most of us, uh, we just filmed the video as we were recording our tracks. And so we had that piece together and then just layered on like the mastered final track onto the video, which we dropped uh, back on Sunday. And we're doing that with another song. Uh, it was the same situation where it started off sort of like just as a COVID project. And now it's just turning into something a lot bigger because it just, it's just working out. Um, so we have a song called Wrong Place coming out in the next week or two. We don't have an exact date for that yet, but uh, we're just putting the finishing touches on it and we're pretty excited for it. Mm-hmm. So. And it's it's a good skill to have, I think, because if if we were ever in a different place and wanted to record or something, we know that we could do it and we know how to do it. Yep. Yeah. Due to the pandemic, there's been so many musicians I know who are friends who just, you know, they just want to play music with other people, myself included. And it's been really hard to put out an ad for like, hey, I want to start a new band or I'm just looking for people to play with. When people are afraid of meeting strangers within six feet of each other. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So something that I know a lot of musicians looked into immediately after or a week after even was remote jamming, basically streaming each artist or musician to all the other people playing. So I've looked into a few services that have done it. I'll name a few just off the bat. Their Jamulus is probably the most accessible one and it's open source. Another one is Sofa Session, which is built into your browser, but sounds a lot worse and the latency is <laughs> not great. And then there's Jackboot, which is Mac exclusive. 
Did you guys look into kind of any remote jamming software or options while you guys were, you guys talked about meeting on Discord, like even that, did you just hop on like a video call and see if you could play music together at any we point? Tried. How did it, yeah, how did it go? Well, I, like obviously like, like we all have enough equipment to do like a pretty good sounding, you know, like, you know, communication or whatever. Like we all have like, you know, decent microphones and interfaces and all that. Um, but the only thing is just, you know, internet speed, latency, because e like with music, it's even like a, you know, a matter of milliseconds can just make it detrimental. Um, mm -hmm. And like, I just don't think that there's any internet in the world that's fast enough to really, you know, mimic being in person together. So what we would do is to like, just kind of have like an acoustic guitars and, you know, be writing music. And we just have to like, one person would just at a time like oh here's my idea and then the next person like okay here's my idea mixed with yours sort of thing that has to really slow down the process exactly oh, yeah. yeah yeah it was it's was kind of a nightmare but it, it, it was it was interesting to do it was, it was fun to try um but i wouldn't do it again if i didn't have to <laughs> <laughs> of course. yeah i mean it was nice like the first rehearsal we had back we had like all these ideas that either like were like broken up over discord or just like we weren't able to get out and i think that like those first like three we even now has just been constant songwriting and it's been really really good we've had a lot of cool ideas come out of it yeah we like while we were on discord and everything and sending files back and forth we got a lot of like the skeletons of new songs mm -hmm. down like beyond the ep and it's been amazing when we're in person because then now we get to play with it and add things to the bridge and make things sound as best we can as we prepare for next steps yeah yeah that's yeah. fantastic and as as much as I, I i miss live performing i will say it has been nice to be able to nitpick and comb through every song and say like okay like what exact notes are we doing here what like like how can we make this the best song that it can be yeah mm -hmm. i think so. that's the one thing that covid's given us um that i don't think we'll ever have at any other point in our career um just being or just having this much time to just work on this kind of stuff because you know when you're working on albums and and touring and all that like there's deadlines there's there's scheduled dates right now and right now it's just kind of like a blur of yeah time there's a bit have. more pressure on, yeah on, uh, yeah like you said a hard deadline when we were talking about playing online with guitar and vocals you can in the songwriting process you can kind of imagine at least for me how stuff kind of blends together if it's harmonies or whatever and like you said you can mix them together and you have a better idea with something like drums and bass if you two guys, if Jonah and, and Josiah want to talk about how it's been adapting to the new setting of isolation while creating new parts for these songs, like how, how have you guys done that? Is it just like when you're in person, you basically get a much better idea of how it works? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's not easy as a rhythm section to kind of link up when you're doing it online. Uh, when you're in person, it's definitely... Um, much more doable. Yeah, I mean, for me, I took I took a lot of the time in COVID to focus on my own songwriting and like seeing what I could bring forward to the band. And because um, yeah, I mean, like it's, it's it would be hard for us to link up and play. And I mean, I I don't even think I tried playing bass on Discord because that it would have been <laughs> muddy and yeah. awful. Yeah, and um, like we were saying, like milliseconds matter with yeah. something where rhythm needs to be super tight with bass and drums. Like obviously, Definitely. rhythm needs to be tight amongst everybody in a band, but bass and drums especially. Mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking is it has to be an incredible challenge to imagine 
how the bass parts and the drum parts are going to work off each other. Well, I think um, for, for Jonah and I, we've been playing together for seven or eight years in a variety yeah, of bands. Okay. And so we, yeah, we have a pretty good sense of what, what the other one is going to do, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And so when, when, we, when we got back into playing in person, it was, it was like nothing, nothing had changed. We fell into it pretty easily. Seven years will definitely help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you guys want to perform your final song today? Yeah. Yeah, let's do sure. it. Sure. Let's yeah. do it. The song is called uh, Romantic Failure, and it's about trying to find your way through love as a adolescent. <laughs>
That was Romantic Failure by our in-studio guest, Hinterwood, here today with us at the CFRC in Kingston, Ontario. We've talked a lot on and off the mic, like we do with most of our guests, about a whole range of issues. Is there anything that you guys wanted to come in today to discuss? Um, Well, I think uh, as a band, we just want to let people know about um, Flamingo, the first song we we uh, we played for you here today. Uh, we just released that as a single. Uh, we've got another song that we didn't play today. It's a little bit of a secret, uh, but that's coming out in the next couple weeks. And then, of course, the last song we played, uh, Romantic Failure, that's on an EP that's coming out in September. Uh, so uh, if you guys are interested, check us out wherever you browse memes or listen to music because we're everywhere. And um, support local musicians, wear a mask, and uh, the earth isn't flat. <laughs> says you <laughs> um i'd just like to thank everyone who's been a huge support to us um before all this covid stuff but especially during it um especially to name drop a few people um our friends darcy manisha kaylee and shoshana who've all been a very big help from everything from just giving us critical feedback on our stuff to helping us out with marketing they've been They've been super awesome. So special thanks to those four. And yeah, the earth is not flat. <laughs> so we're uh, two for two on earth, not flat so far <laughs> out of the four of you guys. You guys talked about wanting to play some live shows at any point, you know, any opportunity that you're given. Something that we were talking about this actually before we recorded is that we don't really know what is expected of musicians mm. as mm-hmm. far as performing at a venue. With Musiki, it's a little bit unique because the back is outdoors and I know at a couple other local venues or local venues just being local businesses as they're doing their music outdoors we're lucky that it's the summertime and we can do that yeah what do you think are the precautions that we should be taking indoor or outdoor for live shows I think that um, making sure that audience members that aren't like coming from the same bubble need to obviously keep their their six feet apart um, I th- I think that the rules for for vocalists are kind of um, I don't know they're they're confusing I think like I've heard a hundred different things that are all slightly different uh, but I think in general uh, any vocalist having some kind of shield to prevent spray into the audience is the smart thing to do and anyone that's not singing just wearing a mask um, anyone at the door you know hand sanitizer <laughs> kind of thing yeah I think like just like what we've been doing just as a community for COVID is like, we just need to build on that even more. And I, I think like the main thing is the vocalist because that's the whole respiratory issue. For a while they were saying like, oh, only bands that don't have a vocalist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's when we were like, oh, well, I guess we are not going to be active for a little bit mm-hmm. or in live shows. I think no matter what, and this it breaks my heart to say this, but um, in terms of health terms, uh, definitely keeping a strict number of people going to the show right. and like making sure people aren't like standing up and dancing or moshing and stuff, which again, it, like I, I hate to say it because I mean, mm-hmm. like we've played shows where we've gotten people dancing and having a great time. And, and I love that. But I think for, for health stuff, I think that would be if, you, if people can do that and like not get in each other's personal space, then I think it would make make it so that we can all enjoy live concerts sooner. The crazy part is, is how do you enforce that as a business? You know, yeah. Yeah. when, so they talked about the fact that outdoor shows can happen 
uh, like pretty you know a lot less restricted than indoor shows i imagine Mm because i imagine indoor shows you like you said probably can't have a vocalist still but for outdoor shows when it's in a big field do you need to spray paint lines in the grass (laughs) like yeah to, to what extent are are we expected to go as organizers I think that's like why also I think driving shows have been prevailing as well because it kind of takes away all of the like oh what do we do about these people that aren't you know six feet apart and masks and all that because like when you're in your own vehicle like that's you're isolated that's where you are and it's so easy to just drive up to a spot and that's it um but yeah I think for like for field shows I guess it's just we need people making sure that others are following the rules because you know you bring a whole bunch of people to a show there's bound to be a few that are mm-hmm. not gonna follow the rules especially if you're drinking like oh yeah. i don't know it's inevitable it feels when it's out in a field it feels as if it's it's someone herding up a bunch of cows or something <laughs> <laughs> the whole the, the like imagery that i'm picturing in my mind is, except you're herding them to spread apart yeah instead yeah. Of them together. yeah unless you're in the same bubble and then oh, it's yeah. like you stay together but you no 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 back over there back over there it, it's so much easier like said than done but you know if you don't want to follow the rules then don't go to shows yeah absolutely yeah. you're yeah. right we've talked about how it's affected the musicality of it all and uh, the promotional side of things but we're all still here you know you guys made it to the show today i'm really happy that uh we were able to give you a spot and you know perform and, and talk and promote what's coming up with your new music and upcoming shows is there anything else you guys want to mention before we uh, shut down for the day today? I just want to say that like we, we've thanked the people who have supported us and we, we, we appreciate each other greatly. And if any listeners want to support us, uh, keep listening to everything we've got and stay tuned for all the things to come. Um, yeah, we yeah. value you and we hope you stay safe. Yeah. Yeah. If you like what you hear, shoot us a message. We will support respond. local musicians because we're desperate. <laughs> 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 the canned laughter, yes, yeah. yes. Um, and anyone can find you guys if you look up Hinterwood on Facebook or Twitter or what have you. But do you guys want to plug your actual usernames on these pages? Yeah. Um, Instagram, Hinterwood Official. Twitter, I think it's Hinterwood Band. Um, Josiah actually just set us up a, uh, a TikTok and yeah, a, a Reddit. Uh, so TikTok, follow us on that, uh, Hinterwood Official. We don't know how to use it, so don't judge us. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, we're hopefully we'll be doing a Reddit AMA later on this week. And so that's also Hinterwood Official, all one word. Actually, do you guys want to plug the date and where to, again, find you on Reddit so that people can participate in the AMA? Uh, yeah, it'll be on uh, Wednesday at uh, 9 o'clock. And, um, 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ask us literally anything. We will answer. If you if you find us anywhere, all of our other stuff is linked up to it. So, I mean, as long as you find us once, you'll find us everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like to thank Hinterwood for a great performance and interview this week. I'd also like to thank our previous guests, Sarah and Maddie, for coming on the show as well. That will do it for this week's episode of Brought Back Home. Feel free to check out the show online and on social media. You can keep up with the show by following me, Matt Muto Music, on Instagram and at Matt Muto on Twitter. Signing off this week. Until next Thursday, take care and stay safe.